man I, I wish I had a mentor. I mean, I'll tell you for free. Someone who mentored me on financial management, all the monies I was making and the hiring I was doing, he would have properly guided me, you know, that would have been important. I would have, I would have been richer for it now. I would have probably managed relationships. I was very bold then. I mean, I was, then I was negotiating houses in BI to leave when I get married. I was doing some crazy stuff because I was saying, but I didn't know that that's business money, that's not your money, you know? So if I had a mentor who had guided me, and I didn't even know I needed a mentor. So it's, it's a very funny situation when you don't know, you don't know. It's a dangerous point to me. This is Origins Africa podcast, where we explore the origin stories of people who have made and are making their dreams come true, asking the what, the when, the how, and the why. I'm Oshaye, and on this episode, the concluding part of our chat with Emmanuel Tafa, we explore Emmanuel's rise from the ashes following the death of his first life in business his mission to replicate himself into one million youth, as well as his general life lessons and habits. Emmanuel is a partner and co-founder at Enzo Krypton and Company Limited. On the last episode, we explored Emmanuel Taffer's first life in business which covered him having his first pop at the age of 12, studying economics at the University of Abuja and starting conceptual initiatives and youth development. We also talked about the serendipitous meet Emmanuel had with Chuku Kamonier, which became the biggest blessing of his life, as well as the entrepreneurship mistake he made twice, which led to a dark period in his life. In Emmanuel's words, he literally came to a halt. So I eventually crashed in that first life when, I mean, I became overleveraged. So, you know, you borrowed money to pay salaries and you didn't understand the dynamics, you're not paying attention to your numbers. And then, <laughs> well, I never told anybody this, but, and then suddenly at that period of crisis, that was when I got married, can you imagine? So everything just, I struggled. So I, I literally came to a halt. I mean, even the car I had, I lost it because I, I, I mean, I, I packed it for you know, exchange for collateral, you know, and cut the story short. So I went through my own dark moment. So what do you do when you're back at ground zero a second time? Not once, but two times. And for repeating the same mistake, poor financial management. Once they say is a mistake, twice, and it's already becoming a pattern. How do you correct that pattern? How do you start over and how do you pick up the pieces of your life again for the third time? Thankfully, Emmanuel had met with Deji Koromi and the end of his first life led to his new life with Deji as partners and co-founders of Enzo Krypton and Company Limited, a management consulting firm. Emmanuel describes Deji as an amazing and upright gentleman Amazing gentleman. I mean, you cannot be more <laughs> upright than. I mean, he's always upright. At the point when we started, I had to tell him that. I mean, you could be at meetings, right? He was so upright, he would, he would disagree with me in front of the client. I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> let's go and disagree outside. He was that sincere and honest, you know. You know, of course, I mean, that was, I used to joke around, but that's what he, I mean, that's how upright he is. Church brought both of them together, and Emmanuel used to tell DG about his training programs. So we started talking. I started telling him about these my training programs and what I'm... So he was fascinated by it. You know, and then we used to go to the same church. So he was just... After service, I remember we tried to dodge him because I want to see other people first before he was just be looking for where this guy is. Come here. Yeah, let's talk. Hand out your idea again. So we're talking. Talking. And then we started walking out of Dolphin. The friends, the girls guys that gave me my first break, I started walking out of the office because I went back to my shell. So they knew I'd hit my rocks. So they just gave me some cover. You know, come and use the office. Come and manage yourself. You know, build good relationships with them. We now move from client to almost like partners because we're doing different things, pursuing different opportunities together. Cut the story short. So did you also resign his job and then he started coming to Dolphin too. He had, he had his own, you know, experiments here and there in consulting. But he was also a very fine gentleman, brilliant chap. He didn't go through the consulting regard, but he had access to, I mean, he was part of the next thing. You know, next, I told you there are two firms, in my opinion, that were in the middle. After the big four, yeah, the next you thing so he was of the Nexon breed because Nexon used to set, set up a firm that he worked for. They started FinTech. Before everybody knew FinTech then, you know, they were doing it with microfinance banks and stuff. Brilliant chap and he did amazingly well there. 
so we're just meeting we're working together he was doing his own business and so i remember even referring him to the guys upstairs because he wanted a plan and he wrote it for them but cut the story short we now got a call from one gentleman <laughs> he's currently running a very interesting firm i don't want to mention him now but he was starting a firm and his investors were listen an ex-bank chief a very popular ex-bank chief that everybody knows today among the top three banks in nigeria the, the current well one of the chairman of the telcos and some other fantastic businessmen were on the board. In fact, one of them is owner of one of the largest insurance companies in Nigeria. They were investors in that company. So he called us that he needed some capacity. So we went in there as interim managers. We went there with a simple proposal, training. Again, you remember that training thing? I told him, because when I mentioned him, I said, okay, oh, you have a problem here. All these people you're hiring up and down, they don't get this thing. This is the cost I work. And I said, wow, I love this training. You know what, come and train my guy. From the training, okay, I need a quick proposal. We did it. Ah, this is good. Okay, you see your guy understands FinTech. And that was it. We got permanent seats there. So our second like took off. We had a one-year contract. We only some decent money to recover. So I was still servicing some of my obligations. But that's how we took off on a different tangent. At that point, I now became acting chief financial officer. And I was sitting in the boardroom. And now my story has started with these men I mentioned. I don't want to call their names here. If I was a day, one of them, you know, I'm talking about like he just left the bank as a CEO after building and hand over to his, whatever, his friend or his partner. And then he now came and he was now starting this thing, this experiment. I remember when he had one staff then. So we used to go in and help with, with, the, with the, we don't help with the presentations rather, with all the stuff. So I was sitting with these guys. This was me now, with all these chairmen. You know, I, I maybe I can tell you their names offline, but these are men, you guys are all, you know, with the I mean, what is not what she, but they employ thousands of Nigerians and they're globally known. So we sat on the table and I was presenting some numbers and he said, move forward, like same small table in the side, in the side of his office. As I move forward, I mistakenly stepped on his leg. And I say, ah, I've just stepped on this Nigerian bank. <laughs> you know, I lost her in my heart. And I told the joke that I, I stepped on this massive bank. But the whole idea was, you know, there was value that was coming from what we had already known and had. So that was where we were for about a year and a half before we now left to now formally register this company now that we had now run and start what we're doing. And that was literally the beginning of my second life which since then, it's been a very amazing journey. How many years ago was that when you started? So we, I, my second life, my first life ended in 2014. So, well, no, 20, so between 20, yeah, 2014. Then I now started the relationship with this gentleman, with my partner now. We're just, we're just like friends working together out of an office. We are not formally starting our partnership, even though we're collecting our checks in the name of Conceptual. But we had, so we were just taking like salary because we're interim managers. I was CFO, he was CMO, chief marketing officer, or acting chief marketing officer. So yeah, or something like that. Cut the story short, 2016, we now decided, like, you know, let's sit down, let's register a company. This relationship has been good. We, we, we seem to be going and getting along. We share the same values. Let's do this. So we became partners and registered the business. And that's how we started. And since then, how has how it been? So amazing. And uh, I'll tell you in a nutshell. So here are some of the people. Now, both of us, I mean, if I say, just speak for myself, is either we were both in the meeting or I went or he had his own similar meeting. But for me specifically, the people that we currently advise, and I'll tell you the connection between that and the real origin story, because I've not even gotten into the thing I really would love to, to discuss, is from ex-governors to ex-Senate presidents to serving and past commissioners. Those ones are like, I mean, we, we, we hang out literally. To ex-bank chiefs, explaining the ones I mentioned, uh, and when I gave a joke, I said I stepped on his foot. I stepped on the entire bar. Anyway, the CEOs of great, uh, some of these great companies you know, and you guys all celebrate. Like I tell you, they come to us like Nicodemus in the night. I mean, they have thousands of followers uh, and, and social media. Now, we're not saying that because we're beefy, no. We're saying that because we see ourselves like wholesale celebrities. They are retail celebrities. So retail celebrities are folks that have thousands of followers, 2,000, 200,000. Everybody's always going to put out a post, the whole world wants to come crashing. But, there are real challenges, which nobody is really talking about, is the challenge of people. These guys don't have middle managers. So if you can imagine all the people I've mentioned, you would think that ah, for that kind of level, they shouldn't be talking to us. They should have people they work with that they can call upon. But that's not the reality. Some things as basic as you know, pitch decks to proposals to business plans to complicated things as I don't know what to do, please tell me what to do. You know, some of them even include ex-ministers, like petroleum ministers and, and what have you. You know, these are the people we sit down in private sessions and they come and say, come, 
This is what we're trying to do. How can you advise us? And that's what we're doing. And guess what, Cher? What I want to do is I want to replicate. Well, I'm speaking myself because my partner is fully pushing me into this. Replicate myself. So I'm using myself again because it's my story I'm telling. But he's the same thing. He has the same substance, even more in some areas. Replicate us in the Nigerian market. That's what Nigeria needs now. Nobody is telling you guys that I have the opportunity to own the media space. That there's a human capital crisis. I have employed. I mean, Nigerian celebrities. Some of them, like very popular celebrities, future on your TV, they'll likely see them. We are we are advising them, and they we know where they have challenges. It's people. They can't trust employees to write stuff like emails and go to sleep. No. I'll tell you some story. There's a there's a lady. Um, she's a celebrity. I mean, she's amazing. She's won awards. Amazing lady. She has amazing dreams. But you know her problem? She doesn't have anybody to even write for her. She will call me and say, Mano, can I just get someone you can just train, you know? And I'm just looking. Of course, now I've had to give her a more sustainable solution. Because she's really an amazing person for what she's done for her, for her short life. You know, put, done movies on Netflix, among other things. But you know what she did? At the time, she also started this journey. And she fired everybody. She said, Emmanuel, I was doing all the work. I hired people, I was paying salaries, but I was just still doing the work. So I decided to fire everybody. Now, this concept of fire everybody is not a joke. I'll tell you two or three other people that had the same story. It's a very common story in Nigeria that people don't talk about. There's another gentleman, this one was doing gas. Brilliant chap, young man. If you if you hear him speak, show you fall off your chair. Chair, you fall off your chair. This guy was doing some amazing stuff in gas. He had this whole just, just had employees. So I mean, he just told me, just, just so a few weeks ago, I, he called me because I wrote an article called the Federal Republic of Incompetent People. And I'll tell you about that later. And he called me and said, man, I read the article. And I was shocked because he was in the UK during this COVID. And he was laughing because he's not someone that, he calls me when he needs me. He's pretty, he's a big boy, you know. I mean, he called me and said, man, I read your article and I was just laughing, man. I think it was brilliant and it was spot on and blah, blah, blah. And I said something, he said, I also just, I fired everybody. I said, what? All those people said, I fired them. He said, I was doing all the work. And I was like, okay. So that is the challenge in the market. But people don't know. And, and, and why we've not done well in Nigeria is that we have a way of, and, and, and it's part of the religious mindset because of faith and, and, and without work that is dead. We usually have a way of painting, making everything look rosy and good and re- deceiving ourselves that all is well. So yes, we'll come and sing and shout hallelujah, but a lot of us are applying for Canada. We don't believe in the system that we're hoping to be blessed by. So it's a very, the world is not hypocritical, but it doesn't add up. So that is the reality. So if you come, people tell you they've got testimony, they've got a billionaire contract, they won't tell you that they don't have people to execute those contracts. That all that they have to pay 50% to some civil servant to get the contract. They don't tell you that side of the story. What they just tell you is that, oh, this guy is doing so well. But when we sit down with these guys, we see the real issues. That's why I said we are like wholesale celebrities because they come to us at night and say, oh, this is how it is. I remember one that called me, this was a very distinguished one that's running business for 20 years. She was weeping on the phone. Listen, weeping. Emmanuel, they want to kill me. These people want to kill me because it's a joke. That is the reality in the workplace. So when I get into the workplace and I'm meeting people, I'm sitting there in board meetings. And now the danger is this. A lot of people now don't even know that they're ignorant. And that's where it has become problem. So the incompetence is becoming transgenerational. I'll tell you a story. When I wrote that article, another guy called me. This is a brilliant job. This guy is on a fund that cannot be less than maybe $5 million. But he started from scratch. We started our careers together. This guy called me. I said, man, I read the article. In fact, I'm so impressed. He now told me something. He said his wife is a doctor and that he, he, he understood the article so well because his wife is telling him now that she's being trained. She's doing her housemanship. No, no housemanship. That thing that you do, uh, residence. That she's doing it and that the problem is that his wife is telling him that the, the, the incompetence is now becoming generational. So incompetent doctors are teaching her. And she knows that all this thing you're doing is not correct. And she's stuck. And she's like, Emmanuel, we're now raising a transgenerational level of incompetence. So the, 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 you know, he told me something. He said, Emmanuel, what people don't realize that training is so key that even stuff as basic as how to staple, when you print a deck for a client, because you worked in KPMG, there's a way they teach you how to staple. He says, dude, I have to teach my guys this. Why do we go to university and spend four years, yeah? It's a, it's a nightmare. Now, if I go on to the ones that we hired, sometimes our clients will tell us upfront, please, I want a Mexican, I want a, they'll specify an Indian, a Chinese, they'll specify, I remember this particular one, this one is even shocking. He works in government, he... And this is the last one before I tell you for other stories, just to buttress my point on the crisis that people don't want to talk about. So we have these amazing visionaries that we're all celebrating. But I'm not putting a mouth to tell you guys that there's crisis in the house. Of course, we benefited from the crisis because they now hire consultants to do the job that should have paid people that they are paying salaries to do. But we know that that's not sustainable for us. We need to raise a generation of middle managers in Nigeria. Just like America. You know, America is, is, is great, one of the greatest economies in the, in the history of the world. Not because it's just, of course, it has its own style, but America is a place of diligence. An average American is a hero. 
You know, he's there in his corner, but he's doing amazing work. He's not there doing a side job or he's distracted with his side. It's a different business. You know, Nigeria is funny. You don't know your stuff. You still have a side. You say you have a side. You're distracted. You know, so, so you lose both ways. And I'll tell you something about the power of focus. But here's my catch here. Let me round off that point. This guy, you know, told us, I mean, like, you know, his wife, you know, transitional incompetence. And it was just a jungle of, it's just a jungle of incompetence. And incompetence really is people not knowing that they're incompetent, that they're competent problem. But more importantly, they don't even compensate or make up for the, or, or learn from the failure experience. And that is what is really going on in corporate Nigeria. So when these guys specify and say, please get me this particular nationality. So I was talking about this guy. Um, I think I lost my show, but I've, I've, I've gotten it now. The guy is currently a serving commissioner in a state. You know, had some family business. And he called me and he wanted to hire a general manager. Listen, this is a state. And he said, dude, he didn't even start. He said, please, go, he listed the countries. Go to Kenya, go to India. Can you imagine that? Think about that. Just think about it for a second, share. You're not even so in your whole state, you can't get someone to manage. That's the reality of Nigeria. Now, I didn't feel bad, of course, because I understood his frustration. He said, the man, we've done this before. Nobody is having that conversation on the human capital crisis. And that's the story of Nigeria. Now, imagine if he had a Nigerian, maybe even from the state. Guess what? The guy lives there. The guy collects his dollars and he leaves that money in that economy. And that money is the one he used to buy a car for his wife. And then the guy that he like makes money. From there, his wife spends money. That's how the money spreads. But our capital is living. So when you go to VI and you see top firms, if you look carefully, and that's why you know you, the banks, you think the banks is the best thing that happened to us. But I just told you now that the top three biggest banks in South Africa, which is the second economy, largest economy, is bigger than than all Nigerian than the Nigerian bank is the combined. Now, yeah, of course, sure, South Africa sure. is not, it's not black, it's not, yeah, I get all that story. But that's even a problem because it has a touch of white. That's why it's successful, which we shouldn't be saying. So we have a crisis that nobody is talking about. And that, that's, what, that's what gets me upset. Because sometimes I tell them, why are you guys going on shows and telling people all these rules? That's not the issue. The issue is that you guys have managers. So everybody is like you. And the funny thing is that most of them are ambitious. They don't want to build spaceships, but they don't understand physics. They don't have small labs. There are no quality people. So it's a vicious cycle of incompetence. I can tell you more stories. I have these stories every day. They call me, man, we need people. We need this, we need that. I just need this kind of person. That's the story. And then we have a generation that is not social media distracted, where they cannot sit down and you know, build the foundation that is required. My grandmother, who was who school in CMS grammar school is 1939. Right? She told me when the world was started. It started in 1943 years or 44, when Hitler invaded Poland. She told me the story before she died that we were just in the room one day because she was a nurse. She now said, um, our, our, our midwife or our chief mistress came and said, hey, guys, Hitler has just invaded Poland. World War II. Britain has declared World War II open. You may be called upon to go and serve your country. Please be alert and be prayerful. Sad moment. She told me that story. My grandmother, if you see her letters, if you see the quality of her English, well, look at guys that spend $2 million on private university. They cannot write proper sentences. I went to a school. The principal told me that he's correcting the grammar of his teachers. It's not a joke. Dude, it's not a joke. <laughs> it's a joke now. He said, but your parents are paying $2 million now. And nobody's having this conversation. He says, I correct, and then I report card, but I have to correct the grammar. That's what the principal is doing. And parents don't know this. So this retraces the fact of um, unemployability of Nigerian graduates and youth. But that's one problem. The ones okay. that now made it through the employment are also ignorant, some of them. Now, not everybody I'm speaking to, don't get me wrong, but the percentage is quite high. Now, the most, most of the chiefs, the leaders in charge, they're okay. But because they are working with blunt knives, the meat can it will take forever to cut meat. So most times, the ones that can afford to bring expertise, fine. The ones that can avoid expatriates, some of them invest in training. But you know, you're training, you're training for another person. And that's why level the market, by making the training ubiquitous. And that's, what we, and that's our current project, to make this knowledge democratized. So, excuse me. If, so the, the, the issue is that there's now a workforce that got in there you know, there was a knowledge economy switch that people didn't see. When, when yeah. Commerce and deregulated, started deregulating, when the banks banks took off, consulting firms also took off. Then SME started to blossom. Most of our parents, I don't know I mean, what, your, what generation you belong to, but most of our parents were all in civil service. It was it like military, NITEL, Nepal, NNPC, uh, NTA? That was where everybody was. Very few people tried business, and most of the business were contractors or traders. So when the knowledge economy started in the late 90s, early 2000s, there was no proper, just a very few set of people, maybe the banks, that now invested in training, which in itself is a problem because you can't go and read banking and finance, come out, 
and you need four more six months training before you become that's the problem so the university needs to have a handshake with, with the corporate world but that is that's a different conversation and we're also working on that but here's the catch that nobody paid attention to that learning my dad went to nitel training school is now dbn so it's called D, D something in oshodi it's a media something digital something something in oshodi kappa that's where he went when they were there they trained them specifically training was perfect for what you were going to come out of so they were even very useful they were relevant now think about a small guy that just started a business who now hires some university students question is he going to spend his time trying to scale his business or training some rookie think about it so you know what he's going to do he's going to be cutting between the two so sometimes the relationship doesn't end well because the incompetence of the individual that he's trying to work with especially if the person doesn't have a good attitude will now become combustible you know that whole thing becomes a combustible so that's why relationships fall apart but the reality is that we have graduates that are coming out that don't, they don't know their stuff. They don't even understand how to write emails. Meanwhile, email, but you know, I hope you know email writing is simple comprehension and composition. Composition, remember letter writing? Yes, yes sir. I do. I At do. that time, with the subject, the teacher with the header subject, is still the same concept. That's it. And I want to tell you about foundational stuff, which is one of my areas of focus. I, I focus on foundation. If you go to my library, you're not going to see books like from third world to first world. I'm reading New General Mathematics, SS1, SS2, SS3, Nibrita Grammar. That's the stuff I used to hook the curriculum that I said Nigeria needs now. So Are you serious? A lot of us run through secondary school. Yes. And that's what I use in the boardroom. That's what I use for some of the execs. They don't know that's what I use. Interesting. But I you, can I give you two examples? Yes, please. Let me tell you two examples. So, listen to this question. Which would be the typical challenge of an entrepreneur in Nigeria? So, the entrepreneur goes to a supplier, maybe in Dubai, and he buys some goods. Now, he buys the goods on credit because he has built a good relationship. He comes to Nigeria and sells the goods. When he sells the goods, or he makes a small deposit, sorry, so he doesn't pay in full. So, he pays 50%, let's say $50,000. Now, when he sells the goods, he completes the payment and gives the, the supplier another the $100,000 and then takes another set. So, imagine that relationship. Now, the supplier tells him in Dubai that, that come, you know what, if you can give me full payment up front, I'll tell you to $95,000. I'll give you a $5,000 discount. So this guy now thinks, okay, no, let me go and borrow money from a bank. If I borrow money from a bank, I would take the money, pay down on the money so I can get the $5,000 discount, $5, discount. Then I will now use the profit I will make because I now got more profits because I, I, mean, I got a discount. I will now pay the loan and at the same time, make more profit than I would have had, or had more profit than I would have had if I had, but if I'd just been doing the regular stuff. Do you understand the arithmetic there? Yes, I do. Okay. Essentially, if you can pay in full, you get a discount. He's currently buying at some you know, a percentage of the, of the goods in, on credit. So if he's, so he says you go and borrow money from a bank at an interest rate that will pay him. If he, or if, 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 he, if he gets discount so that he can make profit. That's the yes, summary. Sir, now, you see, you see this simple analysis. Guess what? It's an SS1 New Drama Mathematics Y question. This is the decision that some entrepreneurs are making. But imagine, look, at, that's a, I'm not, it's a question I'll show you. I'll tell you the page later. I'll look for it again and show you. It's a question of all right. <laughs> this okay. is arithmetic. Let me help you. You know sets in, in, in mathematics. Universal set, set A, set yes, B, set C, and set intersect. That's what you can use for market sizing. So you want to size a market, and you want the market size between men, women, and children. Three, 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 three subsets. The universe is the, 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 the population. So there will be an intersection of the products that all three consume, maybe some grocery item. But there are things that only men consume, women. So imagine you sit down and you're doing market size, or you're segmenting your products. It's new general mathematics. That is where we missed it. Now, it sounds very, where is this guy from? What is he talking about? Are you for real? But dude, that is what is the problem in the workplace. This level of rigorous analysis and thinking is missing. Let me give you one more. We're writing the business plan for the biggest fish farm in Nigeria. And at the point, we were trying to calculate the efficiency of the production process. So we wanted to calculate the area or the population density of the fish that is optimal to give the highest result. Because if the fish are too overpopulated, then they will die off and they will no cannibalism and all that. And then also if you this under if you under under stuff the 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 the, 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 the what are they calling? I forgot the they are called holes. The, 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 the way you put the fish, if you over if you underpopulate them, you will not also get maximum uh, profit. So guess what? New general mathematics teaches you how to calculate the population density. Of course, by calculating the area of the ship and then doing some other mathematics based sure. on the length and the width of the fish when they go to the highest. That was the analysis we're doing in the boardroom. 
but the largest fish farm in Nigeria. So you can imagine someone leaving secondary school or university coming to, with that knowledge and sitting in the boardroom and helping. To, so there was a there was a depth we missed most of us in secondary school. And you know the funny thing, the foreigners and expatriates are too polite. They won't tell us because some of us were employing them. But they'll tell you their faces. Nigerians, we're not deep. We're wide. Everything a lot, big this, big that. But it's depth. Mm-mm. It's not deep. I went to one of the most successful, most respected educationists. And she told me, Manuel, if you're building a school in Nigeria, if you don't put a white man's face as your principal, you're not going to get any decent school fees. It's embarrassing. These are conversations we cannot have publicly. But that's the reality of what our country has become. So even the parents are also deceived. And guess what? Some of the white, so-called white principals they bring is the least of them. I'm sorry to say this. But we don't know this. We're just deceived. We don't believe in the competence of our system, which is true. I mean, you call a plumber, you're already negotiating. You're like, oh, God, five days is five days. Because you know he's going to default. And he defaults, he still wants his balance. He's not able to give, compensate for it. He can't. Welcome to the Republic. Interesting. And that's the problem that you and your partner are trying to fix today. Yes. So we want to democratize this knowledge and, and start a revolution of competence so that Nigeria one day can become a competent nation. We can build stuff for ourselves. We can make simple equipment, farm implements, fabricators, uh, drying machines. So you go to Futa, work with those boys, let them be inspired to know they can create something. That's what we want to do. Let's build a culture of competence. I mean, you do, I don't want to bore you. The word is not bore, but I have done a lot in consulting, like projects, memos to governors, president, minister. I mean, we they, most of this stuff, we are privileged to be the ones to sign off on by the grace of God. I, How does it happen? Do you just reach out to them out of the blues? Or there's someone you know who connects you or you build networks? How does it happen? We've been, we've been so blessed that we've not had to sell aggressively. And that, 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 for me, is the testimony of what I'm preaching. Because I always believe a good product should sell itself. So we've, we've constantly received, it's just the calls. We did one for work for someone, the person refers. Most of our clients, well, I have what I call client champions. They are just about five or six. And they come in seasons where they will just come and they will just recommend the next line. This one will bring, this one will bring them. That's how it is. I've never stood up to say I'm going to pick. If I can count the number of times we bid it for anything. In most times, it's on referrals. Mm. Since the time I left you, okay. so it doesn't make me borderline arrogant. So I have to be careful. <laughs> Interesting. We've just heard from Emmanuel on the human development crisis he believes is crippling the Nigerian market. But what are the key skills lacking that every young person should have, which Emmanuel is now planning to democratize? The first thing is what we call the thinking caps. The thinking caps include the following. Critical, analytical thinking, and problem solving. And these are very popular things you know. Everybody's talking about. Don't worry, I'll tell you. Number two is business and external environmental analysis. Business and external environment. That's where you do your market assessment. So things around um, market sizing, market segmentation, competitive landscape, uh, market structure, quarters five, around every industry. That's where it happens. And then the business one is most now current state. I've been able to analyze the business properly, its model, and how it's designed to make money. The, number, the third point is business planning and project management. It's very popular. Now, it's a broad term, but it covers everything, including your pitch deck and what have you. But more important, around how the business is organized, from business description to uh, go-to-market plan, to product and service offering, to financials, to implementation plan, to operational plan, uh, to exit plan, those are key in, 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 in business plan. And you know why this is important? Even if you're running a church, you still can borrow from the framework of a business plan to organize what you're trying to do. Number four is the use of business tools. Now, they're digital tools, most of them, and you know the popular ones, the spreadsheets, the presentation, you know, whether it's Google Docs or, Power or Microsoft. That, those ones are very important. But now social media is also coming in and then other work tools around cloud um, productivity tools those ones are also important, but they're, they're, they're important because they're all part of the foundational design of how, of how businesses, or rather how businesses get stuff done. The fifth one, and the most one of the most important, is business communication and documentation. Anybody's career is tied to the ability to write. If you're in the knowledge space, by the way, if you're not doing, you're not a programmer or any of those things, if you are in the knowledge business, like we're, which most of us are in, you have to be able to write. 
um, and communicate. So, and the writing has three parts. We have basic English, which I've had to get textbooks, like I told you, secondary school textbooks to teach people in the boardroom. And then we now have structure in thinking and writing, which was proposed by Barbara Minto. Uh, I think she's working with Kinsey then, but she wrote the book, it's called The Pyramid Principle. And then the third one is now the business writing itself, whether it's email, proposals. Proposals is one of our money spinners. I mean, you don't want to know how much they come and they want to pay for proposals. It's just the same thing every time. And it's very simple. Most of them have employees, but they can't write. So it's a unique skill. It also has an element of an art in it. Uh, the sixth one is personal and team effectiveness. And all the things around, you know, attitude, uh, self-awareness, uh, uh, self-effectiveness, how you organize yourself, organize your time, uh, prioritize. You know, prioritization is extremely important. And most people are doing this in their career, not because they do so much work, but they know how to prioritize the most difficult work, which is the most important work. Hard work is not working late. Hard work is taking on the most difficult task and completing it. That's what makes you exceptional. And then the last skill set is what we call, now this is very popular in theory, it's called PESTO but it has a di- deep dynamic applications. And I'll tell you, political, economic, legal, environmental, and social. So let me give you an example of political. So here's a Chinese company that wants to invest in a Nigerian firm, and it's just the third year into an administration. And then they call a consultant like us, please can you come and do a political analysis for us to tell us whether we should make this investment? So I will now do an analysis and say, hey, APC governors always perform and they are always re-elected. Major premise, minor premise, Sanulu is an APC governor, conclusion. Samuel will be re-elected. That's logic in thinking and writing, or sorry, or logic, but you can see the connection to the political analysis. So when I, but I'm not going to say it like the way I said it. It may come out in 50 pages with different analysis, checking on different things. So that's how we do stuff to convince people or to, to, to advise companies. So these are the seven summarized skill sets. Now, some of them are popular. You've heard them before, but they were not born because I sat down and I researched them. They're things that I do every day to have gotten to where I am. And it is, and they are the fabric of my knowledge, my skill, and my work ethic. So that's what I have now said we need to democratize. Now, guess what, Share? Once you have, once anybody has these skill sets, you can build your skyscrapers on it. So most times the problem is that a lot of people have incomplete versions of this. So depending on which one they have related to what they do, they can escape. But for most, they cannot rise beyond a certain point because they lack these skill sets. And that is what is missing in the workplace. And that's what is frustrating business owners. In just a moment, we'll talk about the key lessons Emmanuel learned in the course of his journey, as well as the habits and practices that helped him get to where he is today. Stay with us. I'm Oshaya, and you're listening to Origins Africa podcast. Hi, dear listener. If you love our show, please leave us a review on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. You can also send us a tweet or comment on Instagram at OriginsAF. We love to read from you. Nope, not later. Yes, I read your mind. Do it now. Thanks a lot. Also click the subscribe button and share with a friend. Let's make a difference together, one origin story at a time. Hi, hi. Welcome back to Origins Africa podcast. Looking back through the years, Emmanuel says the greatest lesson he's learned is the story of competence, which is what he's preaching now. Competence. Competence is a, is a science and an art. In America, you can have what you call a blood splatter expert. Now, this person can be called upon on a, at a crime scene to analyze the pattern of the blood that was splashed. And when they look, they will tell you who killed this person, why the person was killed, and when this happened. You know, who likely killed this person. The idea is that that's competence for me. When you, when you, when you, when you understand the expertise of what you're doing to the point where you begin to theorize like you begin to create and prove laws around the concept of what you know. So my going back to secondary school, economics, mathematics, English books, is that I went back to the foundation to understand where demand and supply was first analyzed and realized. When Adam Smith and all these other guys figured it out, to the history behind it, so that when I now want to use it in the boardroom, I can recreate it in a different light because I understand the foundation. Do you understand what I just said, sir? Yes, I do. That's, that's number one. 
So I have I understand the, the value of the fundamentals. All this space shit that we celebrated, Elon Musk, still began with basic basic physics. But you know what we have in Nigeria? A lot of entrepreneurs want to build spaceships, but the basic physics is missing. The mechanics working on the engine are not even supposed to be, they're not qualified. And that's why we'll continue to struggle until we solve this problem of incompetence. So that's my number one lesson. Go back to the basics. Number two is the power of work ethic. You must put attitude before reward. You have a lot of people saying, it's not my father's company, I cannot kill myself, blah, blah, blah. No, that's not the attitude. Or how much are they paying me? See, put experience before reward. In fact, that's a quote from DG. You understand? Put experience before reward. And then eventually the reward will come. When was that moment you felt you got validation that you were on the right track or this is something that you were supposed to do where you got like a validation or or, or an assurance? Hmm. Well, I mean, right from Chukuka's time when we started to walk into boardrooms and meet very important people, like very important people that we all know today. And when we sit down with them, we see what they're doing outside, making, you know, gathering a lot of crowds, doing a lot of exciting things. But when they come to us, they're, they're, they're telling us their weakest moments, they're telling us their issues, they're telling us all the problems they have, and we're supposed to be the ones to solve it. I said, it looks like something I can do because consulting is very inelastic. You know, you can be advising the president. I mean, I've written manifestos for senatorial candidates. I've written manifestos for governorship candidates. Can you imagine that we sit down, we drive, we sit down, okay, let's do your strategy. How do you get, what's your target job? All the analysis, I've done it. So that's what, I mean, I was always, I mean, that for me is, is, a, is a huge privilege. Very elite and uh, and, 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 and distinguished uh, uh, noble career, I must say. Okay. What are your fears and insecurities today? This will sound very patriotic, but I'm worried about Nigeria. That's what keeps me awake at night. Um, I'm worried that we, we're trying to be on the path and I respect what the president and the CBN governor is doing around at Greek, but I'm really worried about the, the vicious cycle that we're in. I mean, I'm sure you're following some of the news and some of the stuff that are going on. Because of the privilege of my role, I also see how much is being mishandled in some places. And I know that, man, this thing doesn't add up. So I'm worried that we're eating the future of our kids. Nigeria is getting extremely leveraged. So... And you guys should be careful. You pay attention to the entrepreneurs. A lot of them are having private sessions with them. And a lot of them are giving up on Nigeria privately, but they're not saying it. And I feel that's hypocritical and they should say it. Sorry, I'm getting a bit activist here. I mean, we're being a bit of activist here, but that's the truth. You know, we're saying the Lord's going to Nigeria and it's exciting, the next big thing. But hey, there are things on that. Some of them are pulling out their assets. I have a client who was told me was selling his banana island land. He's like, hey, I've given up. I don't think this is going to work. And I don't want to be here to find out. I mean, when the dollar is devalued again. So I'm really worried about Nigeria being on. Now, it's supposed to be on the right path. But there are one or two things that are just not aligned. And I can't go into that because that's not the purpose of this show. So that's one of my greatest concerns. You can see how many Nigerians are tripping to Canada. So I'm worried about Nigeria. That's my fear. What are you insecure about? I'm afraid of the distractions. So um, one of the biggest challenges of entrepreneurs is be distracted. So my clients sometimes, because of the pressure, everybody wants your attention, everybody wants to work with you, you know, you, you, you're distracted. The key, key thing you want to do that will scale and will make everybody a billionaire, which is this uh, thing I'm telling you about, this whole democratizing this knowledge, you know, driving through technology and so on. That is what I want to do. But I've not been giving it attention, so I'm worried that, hey, guy, you need to slow down on all these advice and go and give that thing some attention. But you also need to survive. So that's, that's the balance, you know. Uh, then I'm, so that's my fear that I don't end up doing it because I've been at it for almost 12 years now. Oh, okay. Okay. What are some of your blind sides? Um, good question. Is I have a bit of extremes. So, all my life, I've been advising, advisory. So, I'm still, I haven't done a lot of, I mean, I'm being frank, of course, I've done some implementation. But I've not done a lot of execution. I've done some, and, you know, some of them went well. But in advisory, you're largely in advisory. So it's now that we're pivoting to a bit of execution. So that's, I mean, that was the blind side I'm trying to cover. And the world is also evolving. Clients want more than documents. They now want to see something more agile. They want a longer-term relationship. And it, and it will pay more. The experience will pay more than, because by the time you, you transform an organization, 
You don't need to put any adverts. The next one will call you. You know, at that point, you can call any price, even equity. So the blind side was poor. I mean, lack of enough experience in execution. All your life, you've been planning, strategizing, advising. The client goes to execute. Once so in a while, you may not be as execution. So you may not be as good with execution as you are with advising or planning. I haven't seen my limits in execution. That's what I like to say. Now, I don't think I'm going to fail at execution because if you see, read my story from the beginning, like I told you, then you can understand that uh, it's the same attitude to life. So I don't expect to fail at execution, but execution takes time. And considering my age and what I want to do now, I would like to execute something I have full stake in. Uh, that's where I am in my career now. So that's hence this, this democratized project. Uh, this project, sorry, democratized knowledge or competence rather. Okay. Uh, do so you want to tell- is, I haven't seen the limits. I haven't seen the limits of my capabilities in execution. So I want to know so that I can patch up quickly. You you had mentioned at the beginning that there were some other things that you've done that you're not exactly proud of. Um, mm. So what are some of those things? <laughs> well, I mean, um, some of them may be around my management style. Um, maybe people I, I didn't, I should have treated better. Um, number two, I told you that in my Could you expatiate? Sorry. So I was very impatient. Um, maybe I was a bit biased. So it was a time that I was, I was too biased to foreign education. So maybe I despised some of the local graduates. So when I had a choice to pick, I picked, uh, I picked the foreign because I just felt, you know what? At least they can write. They won't give me grammatical errors. At least I can train them on other things. But that writing problem, you know, so once I mean I, I know the particular gentleman that I, I wasn't fair to. I didn't carry him along, you know. So I, I mean, and then also I, I forget easily because I'm very busy. So I mean, sometimes people reach out, I can't reach back because hey, dude, I have a lot of things to get across done or get to get done. So not being able to manage those moments may may make some people feel hey, what's it feeling like? You know, an example I gave you too. And of course, the other one is my financial challenges I had. There are people that I mean, I didn't manage the. They, they, I mean, they, they lent me money in good in good faith, and I defaulted. And you know, now we're not friends because of that. We're all as close as we used to be, and that's something that's the worry in my sleep. And I still hope to to do something for them, surprisingly, you know. But that's a confession I have to make publicly. Okay. As a business owner, and a lot of business owners have these challenges, but I'm willing to say my own. Some will just forget and move on, but frankly speaking. In my first life, I made that error. Okay, thanks for sharing that. You also mentioned at the beginning that um, there was some crisis you had between motivation and speaking and your faith. Have you been able to resolve that now? Very good question. Very good question. So let me tell you, it's not only for me, it's for a lot of people. There's this message of grace, you know, just, just trust God and plunge. So you have people who are not competent, but they are believing God for miracles and breakthroughs. Um, but what I've come to a conclusion is there's a balance and the balance is this you need to be competent overall now when you get to a certain point grace will open doors for you so grace for instance to be at the right place at the right time I mean you heard the popular story of the unfortunate incident that somebody was killed that one now is beyond being competent you understand you're a chief exec but you're just unlucky I mean that's what has some people you're just how can you just you know, for all you care maybe somebody would have come that day and the guy will not have been able to take out, carry on the act. So that's what grace should do. But grace should never substitute hard work. And we have a country now that is so religious that they are now, they, they want everything to happen supernaturally. Nobody wants to put in the difficult work. And even when they are putting in the work, this is where it's important, Chair, they are putting in the wrong work. So they're reading the wrong books. So you read a book like An Enemy Called Average. To be frank with you, or something, something leadership, or something, something pleasing people, you know, now, there's nothing wrong with those things in theory. But question, you are just a fresh graduate. You have not, you're not even ready for a two-day team lead. Why are you reading stuff on leadership? Why not go and read new mathematics like Manuel is saying and understand this simple arithmetic, compound interest and so on? Why not go and read basic English and fix your email writing? That's what young people don't know. And you know the danger? We are now flooded with too, many, too much knowledge. There's too much information out there. And now there's a webinar craze because there's COVID. Everybody's doing webinar. So you know the problem? Young people are now inundated with knowledge. So when the real knowledge, when the likes of, respectfully speaking, and this is, forgive me, this is our mothers, Emmanuel Tafa now says, I want to talk to you and tell you what will save your life. They won't listen to Emmanuel because they have been, they have been fucked out by listening to all of that people teaching them soft stuff, respectfully speaking. I don't say Emmanuel is the only one has knowledge, but there are very few of us that 
understand that this is the problem. And we're not speaking because we are trying to theorize. We're speaking because that's what we're doing every day. When people call me, it's the same story. I mean, I go for meetings and instantly the client will sign the check. You know those kind of breakthroughs. You finish, the client says, I don't even want you to start. Just take, take, go and start the work. He's so confident. He's not asking for references or for company profile. He's signing off the project because he's convinced of what he's heard. That's the value we want to sell to the market. But these guys are now distracted, consuming stuff that some other people who are trying to build a social media profile are selling. So for me, it worries me because we're not able to transfer that knowledge to the people who need it. And I think that's really it for me. I don't know if I answered the question. I went mm. So motivational speaking, so to say, overemphasizes um, um, maybe magic well, one, or the supernatural over hard work? No, no. motivational speaking is even fair. The one okay. that I struggled with lately was the grace message and breakthrough and how everything is going to happen. Now you need that because sometimes it's beyond you. I mean, it's nepotism. You live in a country where there are no rules, so you need grace to survive. But guess what, guy? You still need to be able to deliver when they hire you. But we have a bunch of people now who get hired, and most times they don't come back and tell us that the testimony is not finished. Or I was fired, or I was I was told to leave, or I'm, or I'm struggling at my work because I'm not meeting my target. My boss is frustrated. I'm not helping. You know, I'm just kissing us in the office. I'm not getting work done. We don't hear that part of the story. You know, because most of the time we're sitting in the boardroom and we're hearing CEOs screaming on their people. I'm like, look at this man. He's a married man with children. His wife thinks he went to, to work today. They don't know that I just shredded him in the office because he's not doing his work. And meanwhile, he's chasing one MBA program in one Nigerian university, respectfully speaking. I'm like, why are you distracted? Can you sit down and learn what you're doing first? And I think that's the message. Focus on the fundamentals. You know, I don't have any degree beyond my university degree, but I've taught people who have gone to INSEAD and some other universities. Sit down, come. You don't understand financial money. Come, sit down. Let me explain to you. And I walk them through the thinking. I said, this is, I don't know whether they were distracted or what they were doing. So I'm even worried that, and I'm not, I'm not putting down, you see, don't get me wrong. Maybe that particular individual was the problem. But my point was they went to Ivy League and they still come back to us and we still have to put them through. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding. Not one, not twice. Not, not one person, two different people. Okay. Okay. Got it. Um, do you have your second degree or MBA, by the way, or it's just your first degree? So when it's time to go and relax, when I'm finished building, and by the way, I want to be invited to for the for the MBA based on my accomplishments. So it's okay. probably be a scholarship or highly subsidized. I want to I want to accomplish. I don't want to beg to apply. Let them uh, say, come, oh please, we've seen your profile. I think you're doing amazing work. You'll be a great member of this classroom. Come and join us. I believe in stuff like that. And that extreme diligence and competence. When you really, really excel, you can imagine Bill Gates saying he wants to do MBA. Think about it. Do you think anyone's asking payment? Wouldn't you want to be in this classroom? In fact, this classroom, the applications that year will soar because of that. And I, that's the principle I want to stand by. I want the substance to catch up with, with reality so that there's an overflow. It sounds very ambitious, but... And I, of course, I want to go to... I, I mean, I'm still fluctuating Oxford, maybe London Business School, uh, also that one, INSEAD itself, because I want I like France. I like you know, the, the chateaus and all the countryside, you know, yeah. southern France, south of France and so on. So yes, you know, Maybe Harvard just for the name, but eventually I would pursue it uh, once it's time to catch it, catch my breath. But now I'm still building. I need to get okay. that Okay. What has been most helpful for you on your journey? Hmm. Hmm. A lot, actually. But I mean, everybody I've mentioned, including my family, you know, both immediate, you know, my wife, my children were inspiring me and uh, being very supportive through the, and being patient with me through my. Like, like I said, consultants are very busy. This COVID period, my children haven't seen more of me than when I was when it was work. I'm still very busy. That's the point. You know, so uh, that's one that you need that balance and that stability. But more importantly, and of course, my parents and my, my, my siblings, my siblings are very supportive, my sister, my brothers, my brothers and my cheerleaders, my sister is, and my point was bankrolling me when I was still serving and, and we're broke. We're always broke. You know, send money, you send money when your salary can't pay. Your so those things were very helpful. Of course, Chukuka, who I owe everything I am today professionally to, uh, Dilo Shumakinde, you know, pastor, I don't know if he wants to be addressed that way, but you know, he also has the topic character, diligence. So because Chuka was impressed with my so-called in bracket, inverted comments, because it's loyalty, but I learned it from Dilo Shumakinde. You know, he trained me, you know, like, oh, yeah, let's do this, let's do that. And there's no money in front, just go and do it. So that was very helpful. Uh, then of course, my partner now, who are running this firm together and the amazing team that we have at uh, Enzo Krypton, uh, we have quite a lot of, well, not quite a lot of people. We have some people actually, a uh, sizable number. And, and, and we're doing great work in, and all the clients were advised. And all the clients that believed in us and gave us chances, 
some of them are mentioned, some of them cannot mention because they may not want to be identified yet, but they know themselves and they know the amazing work we're doing together. What do you wish you had known when you were starting now? Man, I, I wish I had a mentor. I mean, I'll tell you for free. Someone who mentored me on financial management, all the monies I was making and the hiring I was doing, he would have properly guided me, you know, that would have been important. I would have I would have been richer for it now. I would have probably managed relationships. But you know the problem, and let me tell you something dangerous. Most times there's nothing you can do because you haven't popped with respect to that. So you have to get burnt first and almost literally die before you now learn. That's how some people learn. There's nothing you can do. It's like people that are already in love and you're telling them that come, there's a problem in this marriage, or there's going to be a problem in your marriage. They can't hear you because they're already in love. They are stuck. So you have to breathe out the love is blind. That's what it means. Your, 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 your eyes are, you can't see anything. But it's the same thing. You're just driven by ambition. You know, I was very bold then. I mean, I was then I was negotiating houses in PI to live when I get married. I was doing some crazy stuff because I was saying money. You know, but I didn't know that that's business money. That's not your money. You know, so if I had a mentor who had guided me, and I didn't even know I needed a mentor. So it's, it's a very funny situation when you don't know, you don't know. It's a dangerous point to me. It's a dangerous point. But I think it was probably what stuff I had to go through because what I've become now, I've become more mature, become more discerning, and I can smell fish. And a lot of other things, when I say fish, I can smell falsehood because I understand the tricks. You know, not that I was false myself, but I knew how things, you know, and that's what life does. If you, if you pay attention to it, it teaches you, weaves you carefully, and then you cannot become, and I'm still on my journey. I haven't cracked it, don't worry. And I'm not feeling like I've accomplished yet, but I'm just yeah. saying that at this point of my journey, sure, sure. you know, this is this is what I know. So okay. there are still some lessons I may come back in future and tell you guys. Sure, but sure, for now, sure. The one that has paid my bills to this point that has worked is what I'm sharing. Okay. What habits or practices do you observe that have been instrumental? to your success? Fantastic question. Fantastic question. Let me tell you one very powerful principle. One of the things that helped me, most of my clients are people that have libraries. One of them in particular was very close to me who became like a friend, like a father figure. You know, he had like two libraries in his house. He's read books. But he finds me as one of the most intelligent people. And at the time I met him, I had not read a, I had not read a book in my life from cover to cover. So how was I intelligent and impressing people in the world? I was even shocked because when I left CC, people started saying that this guy is really smart, really smart. Do you know what made me smart? It's CNN. I remember from the first client I heard, like, okay, surprising, interesting. So I didn't know how much CNN had changed me. Let me give you this powerful secret, and it's to young people. Now, one of the advice I'll give young people is try and keep your sources few, but be consistent. The name of the game is consistency, not, 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 not volume or consistency. So I would sit down on CNN, and you know the amazing thing about CNN, people don't know this, especially when you watch stuff like Richard Quest. CNN will bring you the president or, or the, 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 C, the the managing director of World Bank or IMF. Now listen to this share. Nigerians like this. They prefer this option. They like law. They don't like grace. You would say, oh, the IMF boss is Nigeria. Free talk, 100,000 or 500,000 for CEOs. You see them, they rush. They're feeling big, but I'm going for it. Of course, they network, which is great and it's good for that. But they are now they're like, why are you rushing to go and listen to the guy? The guy is on CNN free of charge. And when he's talking, I'm paying attention. Now, this is the IMF boss. And you throw words. Or let me give you this one. You see an Oxford professor will be brought to give an opinion on a, on a global issue. Now, I have not been to Oxford. I can't even afford to go to Oxford now. But guess what? He's on TV and he's talking. That's the Oxford prof. Would you listen? So I was very careful. And I was consuming this content carefully. And I was seeing the way they construct their sentences, the way they think, the application process, their approach. Because they are on CNN. They want to give out their best. So they're going to give you stuff from their lecture notes, clearly. You understand? Free of charge. And people don't know this trick. So when I was, so I was consuming a lot of BBC and CNN, and I was beginning to think like the, not only the anchors, but the people they are bringing to speak. So I consume a lot of Farid. And I see the way he lays his arguments and the way they throw in their jokes. And, the, and even the movies I watched were carefully crafted to reflect what I do. So I'm not, I don't want to call some names of some, people, of some media stations so that they will not, because some of them are there to make money, so that they won't, Maybe they won't invite me in the future. But the truth is that I, I, there are some things I don't watch. But I know what I watch. So I consumed those things and they helped to shape my brain because I wasn't reading. Don't forget, I, I, mean, I, I was dyslectic. So I now suddenly, my brain opened. So I consumed so much CNN that I popped. So at a point, the people that read books, we can have conversations because I'm coming from the position of the author that was on CNN who probably I haven't met or I've not read his book. But I will get the summary. And I'll get the trick. So that was one of the ways I began to build my, 
my knowledge base. Now I've started reading. I use audible audio books. So and I've done quite a lot since then, which is amazing. Also, I'm learning great stuff. But I realized that, and this is the last point, that you cannot read too many. So what I decided to do was, I have to read sometimes. I read the book like two, three times. <clears throat> you know why I do that? I do that because <clears throat> most people don't get it from their first read, and they don't know. So you have to read it first and second. So I read the history of the world. I know from from a, from an ancient perspective, and I and I, when I read it, I'm reading it for the second time, and I'm seeing the connections of the dots, even to the issues in the Bible. I'm not being used. So it's, it opens up your mind. But now, some people are in a hurry. I want to read 50 books in a, in a year. Well, I don't know who is chasing you. You have your whole life ahead of you. You might as well read it so that you, you meditate on it. You know, it's not only for the Holy Scriptures. When you meditate, you now become. So when you open your mouth, you sound like Socrates. You know, your generation. Because you understand what you're talking about. So that was how I got that trick, that CNN trick. Because they're always bringing in quality people. They don't bring jokers on CNN. They're bringing the best. So it's free MBA. And people don't know. You rather go and listen to some university lecturer who has not managed one business in his life and he's saying he's doing giving them. I don't, I don't want to say this because I don't like I, I tell people it's a waste of money. He doesn't carry certificates, certificate, certificate. You need the world is looking for people who can deliver and people who can think. What would be your advice to listeners? Hmm. So if 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 they find if they find my session interesting enough, especially my consideration on human capital, I have said a lot already. But um, I will just speak to three generations. I'll speak to the early people, the freshers, the undergraduates, graduates, and uh, people below three years of their professional career. This is everything you've heard me say, from my CNN consumption uh, to my, my basics. If you go back to your fundamentals, like your New German maths, your English, all those things are going to be too for granted. I mean, things as chemistry, you know, you go and buy a cream for your your baby and you pick the cream and you see that okay from chemistry one one this is a bleaching agent you know you can you can tell you know by fundamentals are important and because we have a poor educational system my advice is go back to school again and this time make it private you know i cannot overemphasize this but you know when something's burning in you and you're trying to tell people but they're not listening like you feel like a lone voice in the wilderness you know the, what i'm saying is the education system we really failed us so we have to go back to school People are reading the wrong thing. People are studying and learning from the wrong places. And the most important thing is your English and your mathematics. It sounds very simplistic, okay? but that's half of the story of, this, of the shining I'm doing. Is those fundamentals. And I gave you some of the applications already. Those things are loaded because we can write your composition. Your composition is your proposal writing. Comprehension there is also proposal Understanding of the client's requirements. That's comprehension right there. You know, when you read comprehension, you now answer back the questions. You know, and the way you craft your sentences, you know, applications, paragraphs. Letter writing, that's email writing. And they all have expository essay and all the other essay types that you know, we're taught. So fix your foundation. When you do it, you can build skyscrapers. I always use this example. The Clinton is one of the most brilliant women I know about. And she was a very, I mean, fantastic student. And she was a lawyer. Now, when Clinton was, Hillary Clinton was the Secretary of State of the US, imagine if one, one very, and I will tell you the example. One funny analyst wrote a, let, a, a, a speech while she was going to Nigeria. And, the, and she picked up the letter and said, wait, for my basic history or my basic government, this thing you sent is not correct. Can you check? She can, because she's sharp and her foundation is solid, she can send back that query. But I don't want to call names, but you know the story of some other first ladies who picked speeches and because they were not deep, it became a scandal. If it was covered, they were not deep enough. So you need depth because when you rise, you will need that depth. So people need to understand that they fix your foundation, otherwise you're going to fall hard. Especially if you then for my story of history, thinkers, Plato, Aristotle, they always had audience with the king. If you have an opportunity, take a career in consulting. It will fix your foundation. Wait, especially when you don't know what to do. Then go and build skyscrapers on it. You'll be solid. It's foolproof. That's my advice for the younger ones. For the middle-level ones who have, who unfortunately started with a patching of different things here and there, quietly, soberly, also take my advice on the other hand. Fix your foundation. Otherwise, you get to a point, you just see that it's like a ceiling. You can't cross. It's not qualifications. It's not certification. I know people promote those things. Respectfully speaking, I mean, I took the alternative route. And, you know, it took me to my destination. And the alternative route is self-education. There is more education on YouTube than any university in today's world. If you have YouTube, share, you don't need to go to university. You'll be fine. And people don't know. People want to, they prefer to pay more costs. They don't have that feeling where oh, I paid money. I paid 300000 Well, you, if you want to go and spend the money, fine. But all these profs are on YouTube. And you can literally school yourself. No matter the subject, Excel, Word, everything. They're even able to make babies. Find it on YouTube.
IVF, you see it there. So that's important for people. Um, and of course, for the senior execs, they should invest in training, set up training schools, uh, so that they can have their own institutional knowledge. Otherwise, they will never be able to build that spaceship. If you don't have quality people, you can't fly. I have seen this before. I've seen, I've seen companies that we've been talking for the last 12 years and they haven't gone far because they don't have people. And some have been able to raise money and hire quality people. But even within that quality theft, uh, just that you cannot get into those details. How do you unwind? I, there's this show on Netflix I like and I enjoy. It's called The World's Most Extraordinary Homes. Um, it's, um, I want to watch it like, I want to watch it like, like five or six times. I've watched it twice now. And my thinking is this it was built by some of the most intelligent and the most award-winning and award winning architects. So I even with my unwinding, it's still strategic. So I'm watching Netflix, I'm carefully <laughs> picking shows. I'm carefully picking shows that even after I play, I can go to work and use it to shine. So that's how <laughs> I'm not kidding you. It sounds very whatever, but anybody who's serious in life, you have to be that strategic. But some people think it's too serious. No problem, it's your business. Apart from Netflix, how else do you unwind? What are the fun things you do? Carefully, carefully selected shows on Netflix. You know. Okay. So, so besides um, Netflix, yeah, I mean, some family time, which I'm learning to be better at it. To be frank with you, I was calling myself very low there, and I'm working hard to improve. You know, build bond with your family. Um, and then I'm also a very quiet person. Just say my solitude. Lie down quietly. Listen to me. Maybe a sermon or some music or listen to my audio books. Ah, I forgot. That's number two now or number three. Let me give family number two. Number three is audio books. You know, so by the way, I gave family number two by faith. Audio books is actually number two. <laughs> so correct, 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 correctly. I love my audio books. I just listen to my podcast, you know, a bit of CNN here and there. I've reduced my CNN because it has been replaced by audio books now. But, um, but I still try. So my wine is still, still around my, 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 my future. And just be on wine for wine's sake. Looking back through your journey, what would you ascribe your success to your hard work and skills or luck? I mean, I would change, I'll substitute the word luck for grace. And grace, not because I'm trying to be religious, because it does exist for everybody. And just people just don't know. Um, and even the successful ones, likes of the uh, atheists, will tell you they call it luck, but it is grace because. Like I gave example for the situation that happened recently with the guy that was killed by his person. That's just a bit of you just being unlucky, really. You think about it. But you know, all I care, I could have died in any of those my incidents. Uh, you know, you know, so I, I you know, anyway could have died. I flew a lot, I traveled north for some projects, I entered the bushes to I mean went into farms, you know, in feasibility studies. Anything could have happened in any could have been kidnapped, you could have been killed. You know, driving with reckless drivers who were probably falling asleep. You know, God saved you from that. So that is that is there. Let's not deceive ourselves. But on the other side, you have to put in the work. See, I walked. I walked. There are times I did 24 hours. Like I'm talking to you now. Started the call at three o'clock. The next time I close my mouth, it's three a.m. It's three o'clock the next day. You know, we we've done that. Uh, we've done that. Walked late hours. Walked till the morning. Now we walked. You know, delivered. We've done that. We also uh, done some errors too, you know, maybe we made a mistake here and there and, and, and compensated for it, you know, which is what, you know, competence is. Even if you fail, you compensate. So, yeah, it's both. Okay. If you were in my shoes, what would you ask yourself that I've not asked you yet? <laughs> mm, you've actually asked me a lot already. You spent a lot on my side stories. Um, but, you know, so, I mean, the, the whole question would have been more around what the future would look like now that you're working on this, what exactly is the goal? And I can answer that. Everything, because I'm at a crossroad, you know, I've, of course, I've had an interest, interesting history, uh, you know, but I'm at a crossroad now that I'm about to build something. I want to replicate myself. And that for me is a gift for my generation. Democratize my knowledge. Okay. That's great. Final question, who would you like me to interview next? The lady I respect, right? I mean, she's also like me. They were all wholesale celebrities. Maybe she's interested in joining. She's a guru in finance. Her name is uh, Mobola. Uh, I've always forget how to spell her name, but she works for Alifia Capital. She's solid. That's Emmanuel Taffa. He's a partner and co-founder at Enzo Crypton and Company Limited. Many thanks to Miracle Rush, 
for connecting us with Emmanuel. If you've got someone you believe has a great origin story to tell and you can help with an introduction, please write to us at originsafricapodcast at gmail.com or send us a tweet or DM on Twitter and Instagram at originsaf. Thank you for listening to our show this week. If you liked it, do leave us a review, a comment, and share with your friends. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend and to tell another friend. We would also love to read from you. So please do send us a tweet or leave a comment on Instagram at OriginsAF. You can also write to us at OriginsAfricaPodcast at gmail.com. Remember, do subscribe at wherever you get your podcast. Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, amongst others. Join us next time as we have a chat with Kola Aino, the founding partner of Ventures Platform. Our sound producer this week was Tumisha Jani, and the theme song was composed by Just Ritimi. I'm Oshaya and you've been listening to Origins Africa podcast. Bye for now. My father told me life is not a bed of roses. You gotta put your way to the